0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see
1: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm here on the set with Denise Renner, Paul Renner, and Joel Renner. And guys, I'm so glad we're together again tonight. What a blessing. I have enjoyed these so very much.
0: All these messages about the last days, Jesus' return,
1: you know, I think it's good that we're expecting his return. He is coming soon. There's lots of signs to tell us Jesus is on the way. And you know, this this
0: home group, these home groups have been very, very exciting because before we start home group, we have a couple of discussions of our own. And I think navigating through scriptures are not
1: that easy. So I'm so glad we get to do it together. And by the way, we'd like to know what you think of this subject about signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. The Lord told me, expressly to move this series to these weeks of the year because people are going to be talking about what in the world is going on. Where are we in time prophetically? People are asking those questions because they're confused. A lot of people are shaken by events that are taking place. But when you know the Bible, you're never shaken. The Bible is an anchor for your soul. That's what it's called In the book of Hebrews, it's an anchor for your soul. Anyway, I want you to have the download, which will help you be anchored in the Word of God. And it's called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. It's 10 parts. It is big, it is full, it is jam-packed, and it is a gift to you. And tonight and tomorrow night is the last night that we're offering this to you for free on Home Group. So please go and get it. And be sure that you get the whole series that goes with it. By the way, every one of these stand-ups begins at some prophetic location in Jerusalem. It's wonderful. So you'll love this. It's verse-by-verse teaching. Now, home group is all of us together in discussion. But this is just me where I'm really going line upon line, precept upon precept about the signs Jesus said we would see just before He comes again. And it comes with the book. And today I'm going to be reading from this book because I really cannot improve on what's in this book. I stated these words. I massaged every word very carefully. And so I want to read some today from this book. And we're also offering you uh, right now, my book called Last Days Survival Guide. It's a big book, but this is a book you will devour. And one thing that's really good about this book is there are action steps at the end of every chapter. It really tells you what you need to do in response to what you just read. This book deals with all the things we're going to be seeing in society at the very end of the age. And as I always say, God's not in the business of scaring us, but he is in the business of preparing us. And God gave us a lot of information to prepare a last day's generation about what is coming, how to protect ourselves in perilous times. So please order yours Today at Renner.org. All of this is on our store at Renner.org. And when you write to us, be sure to tell us how to pray for you. You can write to us at prayer at Renner.org or you can call us 1 800 742 5593. We would love to pray with you. But Denise, welcome to Home Group.
2: Thank you, Rick. And Home Group, welcome. I just want to encourage you, Home Group. This is not a time for us to hide our lamp. Or put it under a bushel. This is the time to shine. Because people that don't know Jesus are afraid. They're afraid. And I can tell you that when I'm with somebody that that that's lost, doesn't know Jesus, they're asking questions. They're saying, how long is this going to go on? What's going to happen next? Because they don't know. But you know. And this is an opportunity to let others know about Jesus. Welcome, home group. Amen. Hey, Paul.
3: Thank you for joining. If you have not subscribed or become our friend on social network, please do that. And also, it'd be great if you visited renner.org because there's more available for you there.
1: But guys, tonight, let's go back to Matthew 24. You ready, home group? Matthew 24. And we're going to go back to verse 3 which is really the anchor verse for everything we've been talking about. And Jesus was seated on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and privately they said to him, Lord, tell us when shall these things be? And as we've seen over and over and over, the word when is the Greek word pote. It means when exactly. They were really getting straight with the Lord. Tell us exactly. We want to know specific information. When exactly will these things be? What the word what is a little word T. It describes the little finest detail. Tell us explicitly, precisely what exactly will be the sign of thy coming. And that word sign, as I've told you, it is the word to describe a sign like you see when you're driving down the road. The sign tells you where you are on your trip. The sign tells you how much further you have to go. I remember when our boys were young. And Denise and I were still driving around the United States in our little car with our little family, and we were preaching in churches everywhere. Any door that opened, we preached in it. We preached in a funeral home, we'd preach to a Bible study of two, we'd preach to a women's group. We preached to anybody and everybody anywhere if the door opened. And in route to all of those meetings, we were always looking for signs. Well, this was before the day of GPS. So you never really knew where you were on the road until you saw a sign. And likewise, if Jesus didn't give us signs to tell us where we are on the prophetic journey, we wouldn't know prophetically where we are. But this word sign in Matthew 24 verse three means there's going to be signs along the prophetic road which means you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Here's another sign, you're almost there. That's what this word means. So the disciples were really saying, Lord, give us signs that we'll see along the road on the way to the end of the age. The word end describes the wrap up in the King James Version. It says the world It's really the word age. They knew the age would eventually run out. It would run its course and it would be wrapped up, which is true of every age that is found in the Bible. Every age has a definite beginning and it has a definite end. And they said, Lord, how will we know when we've come to the definite end of this particular age that we're in right now? How will we know we're in the wrap up? And Jesus begins to answer them in verse four. And he says, take heed that no man deceive you. We've seen that worldwide deception. Verse five, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. We saw that is deception trying to get inside the church. Verse six. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. We've already covered all of that. Verse 7, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. We've already seen all of that. Verse 8, these are the beginning of sorrows. We've seen that. Verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And we also saw verse 11. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And now we come to the next sign, which is in verse 12. Okay, are you guys ready? Here we go. Here's the next sign Jesus said we would see as we're coming to the very end of the age. And because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold. Who do you think this verse is describing? Christians. It's describing Christians. How do we know that? Because the love of many will wax cold. But what does that mean? Why does that mean it's Christians?
0: Well, God is love, and if we're if we're Christians, then we have love. Joe, so
1: you hit it exactly on oh, the target.
0: There we go. One more one more point in my corner. Okay. <laughs>
1: In Greek, there are several words for love, but there's only one word to describe the love of God, and it is the word agape. Agape. In this verse, it is the word agape. This word could only be used to describe Christians. God's love, the use of agape, could only mean the love of believers, and this indicates a waning of love toward God and toward fellow believers at the end of the age. And it says, though, because of iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Well, what does iniquity mean? All right. Signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. I'm going to go to page 138. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, if you want to interrupt me at any point, please do, because I don't want to read the whole night, but I have to get this information in. Okay. Here, are you guys ready?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: In Greek, the word iniquity. What do you think iniquity means? I, don't, I do not know. I don't know.
2: Missing the mark.
1: Missing... You're all wrong. I have to get my Webster's. To- what do you think iniquity means? All right, here it is. The word iniquity actually describes lawlessness. In Greek, it's the word anomia. The word nomos is the word for a law. If you put an A in front of it, that A cancels it. It's not law, but it becomes lawlessness. This word translated iniquity should be translated because lawlessness shall abound. But this word lawlessness is plural in Greek, which tells us Jesus was foretelling a time when lawlessness will escalate around the world at the very end of the age. But what does lawlessness mean? The word lawlessness in this verse refers to the actions of an individual, a group of people, or even nations or entire society or culture at large that has chosen to live apart from God's laws and principles. Although they previously followed biblical laws and principles in general, they elected to forge their own way of doing things that are not founded on the principles of God's word, thus they are lawless, or living on their own newly evolving principles that are not based or established on truth so vividly portrayed in Scripture." And what we really have today is what's happening in society. Progressives and liberals, there's an, ah, we're not bigoted and narrow-minded like we used to be. We're shucking those morals of the past. We're throwing them aside, and we're going to go a new direction. And they're calling themselves progressives. Isn't that interesting? Because when you read Romans chapter 1, God calls them fools. And the word fools is the Greek word moreno, and it's where we get the word for Morons. So in God's view, when you move away from the Bible, you don't become smart as progressives claim. God says it is moronic. These are morons to think they're going to be progressive by abandoning the morals of the Bible. That is amazing, isn't it? Amazing. All right. I'm going to keep reading to you. Listen to this. Page 143. For believers, I'm sorry, Jesus said iniquity or lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness, living apart from God's law, shucking the principles of the Bible, turning from the ethics of the Bible, turning from the hardcore beliefs of the Bible, lawlessness will abound. What does that mean? The word abound means to increase, to flourish, or overflow. Jesus was speaking about a worldwide condition in the very last of the last days and from a sociological point of view. This is really important. This word, uh, La- abound, abound, was originally used to depict masses of people. So this indicates masses will lack moral understanding. And the word masses presents the right idea for this abounding iniquity that Jesus spoke of is a state of affairs that is and will be developing worldwide, not just in one part of the world. So this is not just talking about America or Britain. It's going to affect the entire world, a general veering from truth, swerving from truth into moral confusion. As this lawlessness occurs, lawlessness and a lack of moral understanding will abound among the masses And society will slide further and further into rebellion against God. Are we seeing this, guys? Oh, yeah.
3: Paul? Everywhere. We're seeing it all over the world. Not just in certain parts of Western society. We're seeing it all over the world. And when we talk about lawlessness, especially if we're talking about lawlessness from a Jewish mindset, the law is the law of the Lord. Everything else even if you have law and order, even if you have police, even if you have uh, judges and courts, and even if you have a certain way of doing things, would be considered lawlessness because it doesn't follow the law there would be of the second, Bible. It would be secondary to the voice of God. Yes.
1: That's so good, Paul.
0: Joel? Well, I think this is amazing, and we're seeing this unfold right in front of our eyes. Just turn on the TV and think to yourself, is that lawless? Does that seem really strange to you? That's not the way it was 50 years ago. And I think you'll see, you'll answer the question for yourselves. No matter where you live, if you turn on the TV and you ask your question yourself, did that happen 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago? This seems a little bit out of control, a little bit lawless. Denise?
2: Well, I'm thinking that I mean, even tearing down the Ten Commandments. I mean, that is the law of God. Or saying that the Ten Commandments are not relevant today. That's throwing aside the law of God. And it's the wrong decision to make. It's the wrong way to follow. This is our way. This is the way of truth. This is the way of our life.
1: But in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus was prophesying a time... When immoral thinking, immoral believing, and immoral acting would affect nearly every facet of life. That's amazing. Just look at the world around you. We are in the midst of a morality-altering period, moral filth, and violence, even violence. It's no longer on the TV screen. It's no longer on the movie screen. It's in the streets. And violence are overflowing through every avenue and medium, television, movies, Music, internet, gaming, print, educational institutions. Man's mind marvelously created by God is being damaged by sin and wrong thinking. Wow. But Jesus goes on and he says, the love of many. In that verse, he's really talking about believers because it's the Greek word agape. It's the love of believers will wax cold. And the verse says, many. The word many means multitudes which means this is going to even affect many in the church. The Greek really means multitudes. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Now, let's go on, and I want to read to you from page 150. Forgive me for reading so much, but I have to. What does the words wax cold mean? The words wax cold are a translation of a Greek word that means to progressively become cold-hearted. And actually, it was a word for a freezing breeze, a freezing breeze. If you're subjected to it long enough without protecting yourselves, you will be affected by this breeze. It will freeze you. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a blowing breeze in society in the end of the age. It's even going to try to blow through the church to freeze people and make them numb in their convictions to nearly make them past feeling. Listen to this. It depicts people who have become numbed perhaps by personal sin, by the condoning of sin in others, or by a sinful environment. Perhaps they become cold spiritually by allowing the moral changes in the world around them to negatively affect their own standards. The lawlessness that abounds more and more may have rubbed off on them as well. And you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about people our age and older than us, who have children that have elected to go a different direction. Well, a cold wind has blown through their family. Maybe that's happened to your family and your children are making moral decisions and they're developing new ways of thinking that are just diametrically opposed to what you raised them to believe. Maybe you sent them to college and they came home not believing anymore. You know what happened to them? A cold breeze blew over them. And Jesus prophesied it would happen at the end of the age. And now what are you going to do with your kids? You can remain hot for Jesus, or you can allow yourself to be modified to match your children's diversion. You can become numbed as well. You can numb yourself for the sake of being on the same page with your kids. But you know, you can love your kids without being on the same page. In fact, one of these days when your kids really get in trouble and they need somebody to pray for them, to tell them what is right and what is wrong, they need you. They need you. And you know what I'm thinking about? Lot. When you read the story of Lot in the book of Genesis, Lot had so modified himself, he had become so numbed, his love had waxed cold. Why? Because he lived in Sodom. Seeing and hearing. And seeing and hearing, Peter says, he numbed his righteous soul. He was a righteous man. This can happen to righteous, saved people. But the Bible says he hardened his soul. He numbed his soul. The King James Version says he vexed his righteous soul with their unlawful deeds in seeing and hearing. The Greek says in seeing and hearing, in seeing and hearing, in seeing and hearing, seeing and, hearing, seeing, and hearing, seeing and hearing until finally, hey, if you can't beat him, you might as well join them. And the Bible tells us when the angels came to destroy the city of Sodom, by the way, I have a series called How to Intercede for People That You Love. You need to hear that series. But when the angels came to Sodom, where did they find Lot? In In the city. city gates. In the city gates. Who sat in the city gates? Leaders. Leaders of the city. He was an elected official. Well, wait a minute. The people of Sodom, they're not going to elect somebody who preaches against them. They're going to preach for somebody who is for them, which means this righteous man had so lowered his standard that the corrupt, immorally depraved people of Sodom said, He's our man. They elected him. And when all the men of Sodom came to his house to rape the two angels who came into him that night, he came outside to protect the angels, and he said to the men of Sodom who came to rape the angels, Brothers, don't do this. He called the men of Sodom his brothers. That is how he had modified himself to his environment. But there's something else. When the angels finally showed up and said, hey, we're going to destroy this place. Get your kids, get them out of this place. The Bible says that Lot spoke to his sons-in-laws. And they laughed. And they said, what is this? Is he all of a sudden a preacher, in the moment when daddy was needed, daddy had no authority because he had so modified himself to his environment. He'd become so much like his kids. He lost his pulpit. He lost his voice. He lost his authority. And he was not able to help his family because he had compromised all of it. Well, you do not have to be on the same page with your kids or your grandkids you need to be on the same page with God. What God says is what is right. And if you do not agree with God, you have joined those that are lawless and that breeze will freeze you. It will numb you to the things of God. Denise?
2: I want to encourage you that if that has happened to you, Uh, that your children have gone astray in that way or taking on things that you absolutely are completely against. Your grandchildren have taken that way to not condemn yourself. That will do no good. That will not to say I'm guilty. It's my fault. They're that way that will do no good. And that is a ploy of the enemy. That's his lie to make you ineffective. I want to encourage you to be like Abraham. Abraham fought for the salvation of Lot. And your loved one may never know that you spent hours praying, fighting, rebuking the devil, claiming the blood of Jesus over that child, holding the word of God over that child. They may never know. It doesn't even matter. It matters your position before God for that child. And that you do not negate your authority that you have to pray and believe in the name of Jesus.
3: Amen. I think you can all agree that life is not easy. Nod your head and say, yes, we know life is not easy. But for some reason, we think life should be easy. Mm. We all know life is not easy, but for some reason, we all think life should be easy. Now, that is a lie. Life is not meant to be easy. It takes a lot of effort to do anything worth doing. If you've ever worked with your hands, you may have noticed that when you begin to work with your hands, for instance, you're doing some woodwork, the wood does not want to be worked with. It takes A lot of effort and special tools and knowledge and persistence to get anything done. The buildings we see, the cement we drive in, the drive-on, the cars we drive in, that is not the natural state of these elements. Someone put a lot of effort into making cement into buildings, into getting the ore from the earth and creating metal. Life takes effort. Now, we all know that life is not easy, but for some reason we think it should be easy. That is a lie. It's not meant to be easy. It takes effort to do anything worthwhile. The same thing that applies to your work applies to your spiritual life and to your personal beliefs and to your family. It takes effort to do anything worthwhile. Now, Paul, that is That's so very good. good. Joel? Well, I'm just
0: reading further, and I really like this. Matthew chapter 24, so we're talking about verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, verse 13, but those who endure to the end will be saved. That's where I wanted to go next. Thank you. It is so good. Jesus is hope. Jesus is our hope, and there is hope at the end of all these things we have to endure.
1: But the word endure, what does that mean? Because the word endure is kind of a negative word. Those that endure, oh my gosh, it's going to, you just got to endure this. Well, really, the word endure, the Greek word, who'puminate, listen to what it means. Resolved to maintain your territory. Mm. Resolved to maintain your territory, which means if everybody else around you surrenders, Mm. you have decided you are not going to surrender. It is the attitude. That holds out, holds on, outlasts, perseveres, hangs in there, never giving up, refusing to surrender, and turning down every opportunity to quit. You're just not going to surrender to this wind blowing through the earth and blowing through the church that's numbing everybody. You're just not going to do it. You've resolved, you're going to maintain your life, your territory. And Jesus says, if you do the same, shall be saved. And guess what, guys, the word saved? It's a form of the Greek word sozo, which here means the same shall be protected, kept safe, or kept under protection unto the end. The word end is the word us unto the end. He's talking about the end of the age. In other words, we have to resolve that to the very end of the age, we're going to maintain our spiritual life, maintain our family, maintain our sanity, live by the law of God. And if we'll do that, While the rest of the world becomes afflicted by bad moral decisions, those who endure to the end and stick with truth, which is healing and saving and delivering, they'll be kept safe. They'll be untouched, even all the way to the end of the age through all of this nonsense. We're out of time. Let's come back tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about the final greatest sign that Jesus is about to come again. Sleep well. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoy that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.